Chwent, Gyothar Gisogs, Gisa Sette, Duis Duis. Chwent, Gyothar Taylor, Disne, Gisa Sitta Duretch Hawks. Dude, we gotta learn, like, how to introduce ourselves more fancily. Yeah, I agree. I'm just getting better at it. Maybe next episode we could ask each other. Ooh, yeah, that'd be cool. We're getting All fancy. Right. Yeah, so for today's episode, um, we have a really cool interview with Luis Santiago. He is a Deer Clan member, and he's been an expert on Tuscarora white corn, um, especially the process of turning into corn soup and corn bread. Um, so it was really cool. We got to sit down and talk to him about that today. And he got to explain his history of how, how he got started and who helped him out throughout the years. Um, so it was a really good podcast. Yeah, I mean, the guy knows a lot. I'm glad we had him on the show. It was pretty good. Yeah. Also, coming on this episode, we have announcements about our Tuscarora Household Hazardous Waste and Electronics Recycling Day on Saturday, April 14th. And that'll be from 10 to 2 p.m. at the Nation House parking lot. And we also have, coming up this month, Roadside Cleanup Day which will be Saturday, April 21st, uh, 2008. We'll have more information on that at the end of our episode, so stay tuned. But first, we have a PSA from our sponsor, Tuscarora Environment. Where is this guy? Taguari Hut, you're going to be late for lacrosse practice. We still got to pick up the other humans. Move your hatch up. Three Hua, I'll be right there. Holy heck, Taylor, I'm coming. Dude, text him and tell him we're on our way. Uh, alright, I mean, I don't know why you're really picking this up. I mean, we're all grown men, and, you know, we don't Dude, really need to okay, ride Dude, okay, if you, you and someone you know are going to the same place, consider carpooling. The ride is way more fun, and you're reducing carbon emissions, helping to save the planet in the process. Be a hero, Brad. Carpool. Welcome back to the show. I definitely will be carpooling more um, now because of that PSA. Um, without further ado, we have our interview with Louis Santiago. The first question I got for Louis is, how, when did you get started in making corn soup and why did you kind of stick with the process, you know, through all these years? I, I got started back in 74. Uh, I worked with the IDLA a lot, the Indian Defense League. And for border crossing, they were always doing um, a lot of corn up just for soup or sale to, to raise money. Oh, yeah, for fundraisers. So that's where I really started making the corn soup. It was enough to feed a lot of people. Back then, if you made two huge kettles, you sold every bit of it. There was no more, none of the, take this home with you. Everything got eaten up. How many people do you think that, like, two uh, big, two anywhere big is, of corn soup? Anywhere from 250 to 500 people. Somewhere That's right a lot. There. Two bushels. How many um, bushels of corn would you use? Do you... On one kettle, you probably use... On the big insert kettles that we used, yep. about 10, between 10 and 15 quarts per kettle okay. of so, corn. That's a lot of corn. Yeah. Uh, definitely a need for like more people to be able to make corn soup and get into the, get, just to be able to make it, more people to be called, that can be called upon to make it and at least help out with making it. Yeah, when um, you need I it, mean, so. anytime you can teach a young person, even a middle-aged person or, or, or an elder to do corn, it's like you're passing on something that's been passed on for generations, but there was a time when um, the younger generation 
didn't want anything to do with it or you know it was like oh I don't want to do that well it's easier to me go down the road and buy it from somebody <laughs> and you know that still holds true today but you know the more people you get to actually you know from growing the corn growing your own corn um, doing your own beans um, to uh, harvesting drying um, shelling lying and making it's a long process, but I'll tell you, when you when you eat it, it's pretty doggone yeah. well worth it. it. It sparks that interest back into yeah. like, wanting to yeah. know that traditional knowledge and stuff, and yeah. getting back into it and getting yeah. involved. And you know, you can meet a lot of people if they're just helping out. And I have. And I, I did some in Wisconsin, and I was kind of surprised that they asked me to make it. And then after that, I got invited out to Onondaga for the games, and made two huge kettles out there. And. Uh, I mean, it's just nice. Yeah. You, you, you call on you, you're, you're more than happy to go. Mm -hmm. So who, who taught you how to do with corn, like grow it and cook it? Well, the corn part of it, um, I used to go down to Norton's house when I was young and help him with the, the, the bees for um, husking and drying and putting it up. And uh, you, you ask him questions, and he was always another person who was always, always more than willing to teach people how he does it or how it was before. Mm -hmm. uh, he had a lot of knowledge uh, and he had, and his son still has outstanding corn. Uh, he keeps it going and I'm glad that he does. Mm -hmm. But uh, Norton is the one who actually got me going into uh, growing the corn and how to dry it. And uh, basically from you know a seed to the plant to harvest to cook it. Oh yeah, so, did you spend a lot of time growing it? and? I harvesting. spent a couple of years, but a couple of years here, I, like last season, I didn't have any luck at all. I didn't have anything at all germinate, so mm. hopefully this year I will. Yeah, and I know you definitely want to start getting into starting a knowledge base for more people to plant more corn, Yeah, especially Tuscarora white corn. Yeah, um, um, well the Tuscarora white corn is kind of funny because um, Tuscarora white corn, when we first came up from North Carolina, it was red corn, and yes, there, that that red corn is still in the white corn. It didn't breed it all the way out. So like, I wish I, um, we had a camera or something, I, I show you a picture, but if you see a, a kernel of, of white corn and it has red stripes in it, like blood veins or something like that, mm -hmm. that's part of the original strand of red corn that we brought up from North Carolina. And it didn't get bred out of the corn itself. And some of the corn is yes it'll be white but the cob will be red that's another part of the the red corn that we brought up from north carolina with us um it's really interesting you know like we 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 did run short in 1790 something when the sullivan came campaign came through and burnt millions and millions of bushels of corn and um our people back then, they didn't have nothing. He actually starved his own people out and tried to starve our people out. And um, what the old timers, well, our ancestors back then did is um, go behind the animals and pick it out of their, um, their crap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Just to see, and then it, right? to see if they could reuse it. And uh, in all actuality, I can't say actuality, but they, um, they actually did use it, and some people lived through it, and some people died from disease from eating that corn. So um, the Senecas might have a, a, a different kind of story for that red line in there, but the Tuscaroras, um, 
say that that is still part of the original corn that we brought from the Carolinas with us to here. That's that's really important history right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of people would never, I would never, never known that. And, that, as, so. and as far as, uh, let's go back to the question you asked of like who, who taught me how to do the corn soup. Mm. Um, when I was at the IDLA, uh, Beverly Hills was the one who taught me how to do the soup. And um, for cornbread, Ethelzoma taught me how to do the, the cornbread. And, uh, and then watching Big Man Patterson do it too, I, I gotta give him credit there. Mm. And that's a, that's a lot of knowledge they've accumulated through their years and just were able yeah. to pass it on, so. Kind of sad when you think about like, that people are planting like the GMO corn and stuff, and like I guess in the future, like how that's gonna affect our own corn. Even out here, yeah. um, if yeah. farmers plant different strands of corn, that yeah. intermixing. I um, remember Norton saying one time that there was uh, somebody uh, from one of the big colleges that um, wanted to take the corn and kind of change it a little bit, not to change the flavor, but to change it from the big ears that we have to the smaller ears so that uh, a combine can go through there and do all the picking and you know this, make life easier yeah. basically. And when it comes to our corn, you, you can't, because yeah. it'll tear it up. But I, I think it's a bad thing if you try to cross it. Yes, if you uh, plant a sweet corn next to the white corn, that's going to be some of the uh, sweetest corn soup or bread you've ever had in your life. And it's, you know, to keep it um, not crossing, um, they say a mile apart between field and field. Wow. Whether that's um, true or not, I really don't know. Yeah, I know a lot of cross-pollination happens through stream, however it works. Yeah. But I know streams definitely have an effect on how, how fields get cross-pollinated. Yeah. So it could, it could be a mile, could be like a general, sort of a general how far away. That's, that's so, just a, yeah. uh, so, I say, I mean, yeah. I, I really don't understand it. I know there's bags you can put over the top to keep them from cross-pollinating and mm. I really don't get into that. Let Mother Nature take her course. It's just one thing to keep a lookout for, especially if you're going to be planting your own small yeah. corn garden. Just be aware of, of cornfields by you. And if you have a farmer that's going to put in uh, the cow's corn, and you try to ask him before you plant, uh, that way he has an opportunity to change his mind on what he wants to put in that field, so it doesn't interrupt with your crop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good idea. What about the mm -hmm. process? Like, so how do you lie corn? Because I know we can't just eat it as is. You kind of yes, you can. Oh. Um, if it's dried, you can actually just just um, keep it dried, and um, you can roast it and boil it. It will puff a little bit and get moisture into it, but it takes a long time. And it is good. You think it could get sweet, but you're not. There's other times where you can brown it and. Um, grind it uh, without going through the lice part of it and make it into mush, mm -hmm. you know, with berries or um, honey or um, maple syrup to sweeten it up for you. That is a bis misconception that you have to lie the corn. Um, it's not only the white corn you can do it that way, it's the blue corn the same way. Any corn at all to take the hulls off, um, any corn, be it cow's corn, sweet corn, uh, blue corn, Hopi corn, um, Seneca, Tuscarora corn, any corn at all, uh, the lying process will take that plastic, plastic coating off the outside of it. And that's what you want to do for, for corn soup.
That'll give it a chance for that. And the metal is dry. So when you put too much water to that metal, it's going to swell up. And that's what you want when you make corn soup. And when you make cornbread, uh, you don't need to get that dry on it. And it should be dry. I like to let mine dry for a week so it sounds like dice when you throw it together. When it's that dry, you, you grind it into a fine flour. Um, then you make your bread with it. But as far as soup goes, uh, yes, you can eat that corn with the hull still on there. Um, as far as lying the corn goes, um, there is a recipe out there, and I haven't seen it in a long time. I believe uh, Dorothy Krauss was one who uh, added to that book. It was on how they used to cook a long time ago. And I don't have that book anymore. But in that book, they'll tell you if you have, um, like, say, a gallon of water to put a quart of ashes into that. Uh, and But I do so much in bulk that I don't do it that way. I was taught, like going back to when I was working with the IDLA, is you put enough ashes in that water. The water has to be boiling. Then you put the ashes in and let it steep like a tea. Let it boil like a tea. And you take the water, uh, like take your stick and put it in there and let drops come off. Put it on the end of your finger and t uh, touch the very tip of your finger to the, your tongue. It'll sting like a 9-volt battery when it's ready. <laughs> it really will. There's no joke about it. Uh, it does work, and that's the way I do mine. And when you get that done, you'll take that corn that's already winded, and, and dump it in there, and it should turn just bright orange as can be within three seconds of it going into that water. Mm. And you know you got good ashes. The stronger your ashes are, the less time you're gonna have to take the hulls and the eyes out. And uh, once the eyes come out, then you can wash it and wash it and wash it and wash it. When you think it's done, wash it again <laughs> uh, to make sure that nobody gets sick from the ashes that are in it. How do you get ashes, or what's the right type of ash to use? Um, I wouldn't assume you just use any sort of ash for... Not really. Uh, the ones that you don't use, it's a smaller than what you can use. So you don't use um, willow, basswood, don't use any softwood. Uh, box elder, don't, I know it's a maple, no, but... It's a softwood, don't use it. No fruit fruit trees or? No, fruit, fruit trees wood. are the best. Fruit trees are the best. So any kind of hardwood, with the exception of like um, those ones that I said, plus chestnut, I would leave them alone. Uh, use oak, maple, hickory, osage, orange, um, black walnut, uh, cherry, apple, peach, ash. Um, any really hardwood that uh, is high, I guess you would say in acids. I'm not real sure how that works when it burn it because I know it just goes to, to um, ashes. But um, those are the best. Uh, any kind of fruit fruit tree are really kind of on the top of the line for it. They are loaded with um, the acids that you need to lie that corn. And like I said, you just bring it to a boil and bring it to your tongue and... And you got to use your imagination for, for cleaning. Um, if you can think of an easy way to save four hours of washing corn, um, do it. Um, I have, believe me, and it was perfect. Yeah. 
I know the the traditional way is using ash baskets, right? To yeah. Clean them, to clean the, and yeah. the eyes out of the corn, right? It's called the. Yeah, they take eyes. the eyes out of the corn. Um, the eye of the corn is actually what that piece of corn lives on, when you plant it. Uh, if it doesn't have the nutrition until the rain comes down from the soil, that's what that piece of corn is um, living on from that eye right there. So when you cook that, you actually want the eyes out the best you can. Um, you're not going to get them all. There's people out there that say, oh, there's eyes in the corn, so they, that wasn't washed good enough. That's a myth. The reason that those eyes are on there is that either their ashes weren't strong enough or they didn't do it long enough. It's not the washing part of it. It's just the ashes and the way they did it. Uh, I'll guarantee you, um, if the eyes are still on it, uh, it's not going to get you sick if somebody knows what they're doing. Um, I've heard of people using um, regular lye to do the corn. I'm going to tell you it's dangerous because if you don't get the lye out, It'll mess with your health. It can kill you, and it can get under your gums and really mess with your teeth royally. And I would never ever use that when I do corn soup or bread. Um, I just find it too much of a risk to put to different people or anybody in general. Uh, I think it's a, a bad practice, but some people that can't. Um, get ashes or don't want to get ashes, it's an easy way for them to do it. I, I don't eat it, everybody's corn soup, believe yeah. me, because mm -hmm. I, I just don't trust them. That's, that's a good point. It's yeah. Definitely if it can kill you. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Another thing is with the corn, you're going to have mold on the corn. Oh, yeah. Mold is okay. I wouldn't use it, but if it's red mold, and I mean red mold, not the strikes in there that are the vein-like looking thing. If it is red mold, do not use it at all. It will kill you. Back when, that, like going back to the 1700s, when they used that corn, they were actually using some of that corn that had the red mold on it. And that may have contributed to so many people passing away back then from wow. eating the corn. So uh, when, you're, when you go to do your corn, uh, yeah, you can dry it with your regular corn and it's not going to pass or anything like that. It's just on that one ear. Um, I wouldn't even use it. Uh, I would just throw it out. Throw it right yeah. out, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. And that's usually after, it, if it sits for too long or if it's in a moldy... No, uh, dry, usually once you dry it out, it's dried. That corn will stay for years and years and years and years. Um, but if you have that red mold on it, that red mold on that one cob will stay for years uh, and years and years and okay. years. So it's good to keep looking out for it yeah. if you do. Try really, it. the only time you have to uh, really pay attention to it is when you're shelling the corn to make your your soup or your bread or mush or what have you. Uh, that's when you sort it out right then and there. I mean, there's no sense of yeah. going through your whole... Say you got 900 bushel of corn yeah. hanging, and that takes a long time to yeah. go through every bushel. Yeah. And um, I don't think anybody wants to do that until they're, okay, we only need half a bushel. Let's take half a bushel. Yeah. Now we look Check at it. it. Yeah. Um, I know you make cornbread. Well. Is that a similar process? Or it's the same process as far as lying the corn goes, but um, 
in that part you don't have to lie it as long uh, I like to do it that way because the long way by taking all the eyes out you can uh, there's a reason for it because if I have it dry and I have somebody stopped at a house and say oh I need a corn corn for this or I need corn for that now you can actually take that dried corn and grind it and use it for bread or start cooking it in water and use it for soup. So, you know, so you always have it on hand. You, the, better, the more you dry it, the better it's going to be and the longer it'll stay. You can get, um, uh, I want to say mites, but I don't know what they're really called. Oh. If you leave it too long unattended. Um, oh, like a parasite? It's not really a parasite. It's um, common if you don't use your corn mm. within such a given time. Right. Um, they will. Uh, the only thing they really eat is the eye that's in the corn. They don't actually eat the corn itself. Good to look out for. Yeah. Um, you got any questions? Any more questions, Taylor? For Louie? I know we covered a lot. Of, a lot of yeah, stuff. We did. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of really, a lot of really the good. The only question that's uh, <laughs> the only dumb question is the questions that's not asked. Yeah. You know. I don't care what the question is. If I can answer it, I'll try to. Yeah. That's why we're lucky to have you in here. We could just kind of throw questions yeah. at you. And you know so much, you can talk no, about it. So. Talk about it's, 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 it's awesome to have on our podcast. But I'm glad that you invited me to come do this. Um, I am more than happy to do this for anybody. I hope those that are going to be listening to this kind of try to do this in their own way. Uh, if they have any questions, um, if I'm in town... Um, I might be able to help you out one way or another. All right. You guys heard it here. If you guys ever want to learn how to make this corn soup firsthand, um, knowledge, get your old traditional knowledge in you, want to l lend a hand, um, definitely someone who has a lot of knowledge and is more than willing to help you out, um, get, a, get in contact with Louie. You can even come see me at the office. I can get you in contact with Louie. Um, he's, just, he's just down the road from us, so... Really, really good resource we have here. Thank you all for coming on our show yeah. and stopping yeah. in, yeah. being patient with us. So. Anytime. Anytime Alrighty. I can help you out. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, okay. Thanks for coming to Tusky Talks. All right. And you're yeah. Now. <laughs> hey, guys. got one small post-interview correction. Um, during the interview, Louie was talking about the Sullivan Clinton campaign and that it was, might have happened in the summer of the 1790s. And Taylor has the correct date for us. Yeah, so the Sullivan-Clinton campaign actually occurred over the summer of 1779, uh, prior to the end of the Revolutionary War, um, in which they ended up burning down basically any Indian village they saw. Like even, so at the time, Tusker, some of the Tuscaroras were allies with the colonists, and so they even burned down our towns. Wow. Not to mention we were also getting burned down by the British, so <laughs> they just burned didn't everything. Have, didn't have much help. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy to think that after all that burning, we're still able to like talk about corn. Yeah, it's amazing. With Louis, it's pretty epic. Yeah, during that campaign, they ended up burning over one million bushels of corn. Mm -hmm. It's crazy to think how much corn we had though to burn. Yeah, even at that time, which was almost 1800s. Yeah, so. I mean our our agriculture was pretty epic. We have some epic methods of growing stuff. Yeah, we can go on about that. We, for yeah, days. that that is another episode for another day. Um, so, before we close out this current episode, why don't we listen to another word from our sponsors? Did you know that when you give your Uthretra some TLC, like getting it tuned up or repairing a leak, you're preventing excess pollution? It's true. A car that isn't properly maintained 
produces 10 to 15 times more air pollution than a well-running car. And an automobile that leaks harmful fluids like oil, antifreeze, and brake fluid adds to local water pollution. So remember to service your car regularly to limit pollution and keep your pony riding smooth. <laughs> that reminds me, I have to change my oil in my car. <laughs> good point, good point. So Brad, what do we got coming up this month? If you are a Tuscarora resident, you can drop your household hazardous waste and electronics off at our recycling day on Saturday, April 14th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. It's at the Nation House parking lot. Um, some of the notable things you can bring are batteries, fluorescent light bulbs, latex paint, motor oil, uh, computers, you bring your televisions, radios, video equipment, your cables, wires, power cords, power strips, anything with a circuit board or a cord you can bring. Um, and we will be accepting a limited number of refrigerators, freezers, air conditioners, and dehumidifiers. Um, but definitely if you have any electronics you want to recycle, um, bring them this Saturday, April 14th at the Nation Building. All right. One important note is that we will not be accepting tires during the Household Hazardous Waste Day, um, but we will be accepting tires uh, during the roadside cleanup the following weekend. Uh, that's Saturday, April 21st. Uh, from 8 a.m. to 12 noon, um, at the again, at the Nation House parking lot. Um, and so we welcome all of you to come out and clean the sides of our roads and uh, show people that you care about territory. And I'll be out cruising from 8 to noon, handing out T-shirts to anybody I see outside helping, you know, pick up trash and whatnot. I right uh, also have gloves and bags, too, if you don't have any, so... And that's all we have for today's episode. I want to give a big nyala for, for Louie for coming out and giving us a really, really good interview, informative and very educational. Yeah, I learned a lot. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I want to give a big nyala to all you guys out there listening to us and supporting us. And that's all I got. Yeah, nyala, guys. Yep, nyala. That's got That's got Our DNA is of earth and sky. <laughs>